Welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition. We've got episode eight for you, nutrition periodization. And even if you're not familiar with the term, you want to tune into this episode. No matter what your athletic ability is, your age, what your sport is, nutrition periodization needs to be a key piece of what you're looking at and adjusting and manipulating throughout a training year. So in this episode, Bob and I go through what this concept is, why it was created, and things to think about when you're looking at your training schedule and adjusting your nutrition to support that to further enhance your health and your performance goals. So we're glad you're here. Enjoy the show. We've got many more episodes on nutrition periodization, but this is a key one. So thanks so much for tuning in. Welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Dina Griffin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Bob Sibahar. How are you doing today, Bob? Good morning, Dina. Happy 2022. We're into it. Oh my goodness. It's here. It's finally here, right? I hope you uh, you and our listeners enjoyed the past couple of weeks, maybe of some downtime and just some deep breathing and you know, getting ready for the new year. I know I had. Yeah. Gearing up for the year ahead. It seems like it's um, sometimes slow starting, but that's okay because we have many months ahead. Exactly. And it's perfect what we're going to talk about today, Bob, which is sort of a foundational um, piece to many of our future podcasts we have planned. Uh, so today I wanted to be the interviewer of sorts for our podcast and talk to you and, and really delve into your brain about the concept and the nuts and bolts behind nutrition periodization. And oh, yeah, I'm going to say that word again, Bob, because it's like 18 syllables long, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Nutrition periodization, because I feel like a lot of athletes are doing it, they don't know it, or they're not doing it, and they should be, or Mm -hmm. there might be another category, like, we're just plugging along, and nutrition is totally missing from the picture. Right, which I think we see all of those categories. Exactly. So I wondered... I wondered uh, when we start delving into this concept, nutrition periodization, and I should add, um, Bob, I remember when I was in my dietetic internship, you know, mm-hmm. eons ago, Yeah. and I even brought this book with me to the office today where we're, where we're recording. Um, it's, I forget what year this book's from. Oh yeah. I remember nutrition that one. Nutrition and sport. And sport. sport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marie Dunford book. Uh So this was years ago when I was studying sports nutrition, just self-studying, right? And your name comes up, I think on page 319 or something where they finally two thirds of the way through the book mentioned the concept nutrition periodization. And I was like, why isn't this on page six? Like this should be the (laughs) premise of the book. Um, do you want to talk about uh, like maybe even a timeline perspective or this? So I'll I'll just you know start with a few bullet points and then you can figure out what makes sense. Yeah. What is it? When did it come about? What was your role in creating nutrition periodization concept? Mm. 
what do we do before this and what to have to do with athletes? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I, I completely forgot about that book. So thank you so much for bringing that up. I, that was actually a, a turnkey point in my life because finally someone had published in a, and this is a textbook. Okay. So in a textbook for nutrition students, sport nutrition students and, and, and exercise physiology students, when I saw that from Marie and I saw nutrition periodization in there, I just about fell over. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, literally one of the highlights of my life that finally, finally, and I forgot what year that book came out, but finally nutrition periodization was getting the attention that, that I thought it should have. Cause as you know, a voice of, you know, one and of one doesn't go too far. Right. Right. But so, so to your point earlier, athletes, you know, listen up this nutrition periodization is definitely not new. And I'll go through the past and the story here in a second, but to Dina's point earlier, you absolutely need to use nutrition periodization. It's kind of a weird phrase, kind of scary. Like Dina said, you know, how many syllables it is. It's a long one, but, but absolutely it needs to be part of your nutrition mantra. Um, so you'll, you'll understand why here in, in a few minutes, but where did it start? Well, I, you know, I remember the frustration of, of nutrition and sport nutrition. So back in the late nineties is when I actually started as a quote unquote sport nutritionist, right? So I, I, I was an exercise physiologist. I had my first undergrad degree. I was practicing sport nutrition. I wasn't an RD yet, but I was, I was working on it. Right. But I was practicing sport nutrition in the collegiate setting and with endurance athletes. And Dina, here's how it originated. You know, I was a strength and conditioning specialist, exercise physiologist. I had just started endurance coaching also, so triathlon coaching. And I, I obviously, in exercise physiology and strength and conditioning, we learn a lot about periodization, right? The physical side of strength and conditioning and endurance coaching, endurance, you name it. And I was getting frustrated because I was talking to athletes and even coaches at that time and asking them about their periodization models and strategies. And what I learned was coaches were, were great. They could explain it. Absolutely. Athletes had no idea what I was talking about, even when I just said the word periodization. So I knew there was a huge disconnect between coaches, athletes, and then dietitians or sport dietitians, right? So that basically got me scratching my head thinking, is there something that I can do to help just the communication? So everybody is on the same page. So when I look at, when I see an athlete, I can talk about the same thing that their coach is talking about, because I, I remember also working in Boulder at a sport medicine clinic and sitting down with mostly endurance athletes. And literally one of my first questions was asking, what training cycle are you in? And they wouldn't know. Right. And they were like, right. I don't know. I'm just doing this, you know, X, Y, Z. And they couldn't explain. I said, so does your coach periodize your training? And they would look at me like, you know, I was, a, you know, what alien or something. And, and, and that was the, the proverbial light bulb was like, oh my gosh. And, and it wasn't like, this was, I, it's a new, it was the new term back then. Right. But it wasn't new to combine nutrition, to support physical training. What I did was I just brought it to the limelight and made it very important for athletes and coaches and dietitians. So we were all talking about the same thing. So this was literally in the late nineties, Dina. So you can do the math, how long nutrition periodization has been around, uh, you know, I, I obviously wrote the first book on the topic and the, actually the only book on the topic, really, um, like you were saying, Marie adopted in the textbook. And, and here's what we know nowadays. I mean, athletes Google nutrition periodization. You will see it used hundreds and hundreds of times. It's in research papers now. PhDs are using it in their research. Athletes, coaches are using it. So 
I'm so proud of being able to, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, egotistical here, but I'm proud that I was able to bridge the communication gap between athletes and coaches and sport dietitians. So, you know, that's, that's a little bit about the, the history and, and kind of the why behind it. Again, it, in my mind, it wasn't groundbreaking. It was literally just trying to find a solution to the problem we had of basically not communicating well between all of these professionals with the athletes. I think that bridging the gap is, is a key phrase here because I, Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, not to reflect on my own history too much, but just as an emerging budding sport dietitian, not having, you know, let alone, um, much of the sports nutrition being taught in the master's program specific Mm -hmm. to, I mean, the, the word periodization was brand new to me. Right. And so I, I even, so I'm, I'm doing show and tell, even though this is only going to be on audio right now, but I bought your first edition book, which I think was 2004. Is that right? It was. Yeah, it's correct. And so, um, I worked from that book to help my athletes when I was learning so Mm -hmm. much there in the beginning, uh, 20 some years ago. That's almost 20 years ago. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It doesn't seem like that long, does it? No, but um, the thing that I think you have touched on here, a few things is most athletes don't know how their training is being periodized or understand Mm -hmm. that. And then aligning or trying to figure out this nutrition element and what's going on over the course of a year, training year, the blocks within that. And so I think even just asking this question of our athletes and all athletes, right? We're not just talking endurance oriented athletes, but it opens the door to make sure that education and understanding is happening there as a foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you talk about the training periodization and how the nutrition periodization models uh, follow that and maybe give a definition, your current working definition of what nutrition periodization is. Absolutely. So I I think to your point, I think it's really important athletes that are listening to our, to our podcast is have that, have, if you have a coach, um, be it team sports, endurance, strength and power, doesn't matter, have that conversation with your coach, your coaching staff, and, and a lot of times I'll, I'll put on my coaching hat. A lot of the times as coaches, we put together an, an what's called an annual training plan for athletes, right? So, in, and we break it up different cycles, different focal points in terms of anaerobic, aerobic uh, system, de- energy system development. A lot of times we do that, uh, you know, I used to say back in the days with pencil and paper, because a lot of the times we are going to erase some things because as the athlete physiologically adapts, we do need to adapt our training program. But that said, I I would love to have all the athletes have that conversation with their coach. If you don't have a coach, then, then certainly if you follow a training program, certainly try, I mean, maybe even hire a coach consultant that can help explain these things at first, because it's so, so, so important to know where you are from a training perspective before starting to try to answer the question, how do I feed my body? So in basic terms, 
and again, we won't muddy the waters with all the different periodization models because there are a few, there are a handful of different periodization models that different coaches use. But basically we're talking about three different cycles or training cycles throughout the year. So athletes take note of this, right? Endurance athletes usually follow these terms or terminology. It's the preparatory or the base training. That's usually early season when you start training again uh, from an off season. Uh, for team sport athletes, it's usually called preseason. Same exact thing, just depends on what sport. The second cycle is called the competition cycle or in season. It could also be pre competition to where the athlete is preparing for their competition, but there's more intensity, right? And then the third cycle is basically your off season or your transition cycle or out season. You know, we talked about that on a previous episode. So there, there are a lot of terms, but basically there are three cycles, right? You're getting ready to train. That's the preseason or the base. You're training and you're getting ready for competition, which is the in-season or competition. And then you're out of training or you're done with competition. So that's your transition or your off-season. So it's really important to first understand those because here's the thing, athletes. Each training cycle has specific physical or physiological goals. It is those, it, it are th those goals dictate how you should feed your body. So as an example, if you're just starting out, you know, it's early January, 2022. If you're just starting out again and saying, wow, you know, I enjoyed the holidays, maybe a little too much or a little too little, whatever, I'm just starting my training again. You're going to start out very slowly and most likely, depending on the, on your coach, if you have one in the periodization model that he or she is choosing, you're going to only be focusing on endurance, flexibility, not a lot of speed, maybe a little functional strength here and there, or maybe heavier strength, but those body goals necessitates different nutrition strategies than what happens maybe in a couple months, right? So in a couple months, that's when you start adding speed and power and big time strength. And that's absolutely stressing your body in different ways. So then the nutrition has to support that a little bit differently. Now we're not talking about a complete, you know, 180 degree shift. We're just talking about more tweaks and and what we can do with the nutrition to support those body goals, right? So from, from cycle to cycle, we need to understand the physiological goals or the physical goals that our body is, is going through. And that usually the coaches are trying to input on us. And then we need to understand how to use this nutrition periodization concept. So that's, that's why hopefully that, that explains why it's so important to know what the training cycles or periodization model that you're in right now from, from your coaching. That's great. And it, uh, I feel like that then sets the stage for, um, adopting what it is appropriate to that individual athlete's goals or really bringing in that perspective. Um, so because not all of us have the same abilities or the same kinds of fitness mm -hmm. goals or racing goals, um, when we understand that from our training program, like what is it I'm looking at? What is it I'm looking at to improve? Right. It kind of makes sense, although I'm super biased, right? Like what are the other pillars here that facilitate those training adaptations? And so if we neglect the nutrition piece of that, then mm -hmm. we're not getting potentially as fit as we could be, or we're not recovering as well. I wondered, Bob, if you could give a couple more examples, like, cause as we're recording this, you know, it's January and, and um, early in a calendar year. So a lot of athletes maybe are starting in this base cycle that you mentioned or prep mm -hmm. phase. 
Um, Could you give an example or a couple other examples of what, let's say for uh, a long course triathlete Mm -hmm. who is just starting up with their training and maybe their, their a races in August, like, could you give an example? And and I'm sure we'll delve into this more in a part two or part uh, 16 or whatever it's going to be, but (laughs) um, just to get people thinking like, am I, am I doing any of this or where would I start? But uh, nutritionally, what would be something that you would suggest just for athletes to have their eyeballs on that uh, particular aspect? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And let me, let me, uh, you know, one of your famous things in our episodes is telling the athlete to pause and grab their, their pen or piece of paper, or just make note of what time this is in the podcast. You can go back and, and re-listen to it and make some notes, but here's the time to pause. And I, and I, Dean, I did forget to actually give you the technical definition of nutrition periodization, but this will be a great launch into explaining this a little bit more. So Technically, nutrition periodization is basically just supporting the body's energy needs as it changes in volume and intensity throughout training cycles. So as I kind of alluded to earlier, as you, as you go from training cycle to training cycle, the volume of training and the intensity of training will change. That's what nutrition periodization is really made for, is supporting those changes. Now, on a little bit lower lighthearted level, I've got my little mantra that I use and it's called uh, eat to train, don't train to eat, right? So think about that for a second, athletes, eat to train, eat to facilitate the training that you are doing. Don't train to support your eating patterns or maybe justify eating patterns. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, how many times have we seen this, Dina, where an athlete says, oh, I just did a you know monster training session and I'm going to go eat, you know, 10 pizzas and a couple donuts and some beer and whatever it is. Right. Right. And you're like, um, but you really, is that really the mantra and the paradigm shift we want? We, we don't, right. We don't want you to justify your eating because you're training X amount of hours. We want you to actually be a little more forward thinking and set your eating plan to support your training program. And that's, that's really the mantra of nutrition periodization. So let me say it one more time, eat to train, don't train to eat. So based on, on what you just asked there, you know, per cycle, um, per, you know, base training prep cycle, preseason, if you will, right now to your question, there are a few nutrition goals that I have for athletes early on in their training cycle. Now, obviously there are a lot more, but these are, these are the big ones. These are the ones you can really kind of take, take the bull by the horns and go for it right now and implement. So during this time of the year, like you said, early season, the year's still the just starting here. A lot of athletes are just kind of getting back into it. The first and foremost thing I really promote is what I just said, eating to train. So adopting that eating to train mantra. And what that means is, is this, and this is why I say that at this point in training, if, if the volume and intensity is not too high, there is no reason to overfeed your body consistently. So I see this, and I'm sure you've seen this a hundred million times, Dina, where an athlete will start training and all of a sudden they say, oh, now I need to start eating so much more. And, but they're only training maybe, you know, 30 minutes a day, 45 minutes a day, whatever it is. Like, remember, this is, this is nutrition periodization. It's early season. If your volume is low, you don't need as much nutrient support as you're going to need in the next few months. Now, obviously that doesn't mean underfeeding yourself. That just means eating to train so you don't overfeed the body. So that's step one now. Learn what eating to train means, support your eating 
accordingly with your training patterns and in your training volume and training load. The second thing is, as you and I are so, so, so popular with, and we love to do is popping the hood, right? Now is the time to do testing, whether it's metabolic efficiency testing, nutrigenomics, blood work testing, vitamin D tests, like you name it, this is the time because here's the thing. And I know you, you prescribe or ascribe to this too, Dina, is this is the time where we get foundation baseline data, right? This is when the body isn't under a lot of stress in terms of training, at least, right? This is where we can see, you know, what your, what your foundation vitamin D level is, or maybe we see how efficient or inefficient your body is at using fat and carbohydrates. So I, I know, do you, do you also kind of promote the biomarker testing during this time of the year? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think it is I mean, I think what you're also hinting at here or telling our listeners is um, just like our training evolves and um, is adapted throughout, even though, like you mentioned earlier, there may be this higher view plan, but it's subject mm-hmm. to change with the delete key or the eraser, right? So mm-hmm. based on what's going on and how those adaptations are happening or whatever the coach sees as the metrics to gauge right. the training, but there are these several levels and layers to the nutrition and that health component so that we're supporting what it is we're seeking from that physical outcome or those physical adaptations. So yes, like right now is a good time, especially if volume intensity or load is, is relatively um, low or uh, lower on the impact scale, then we can, um, really push the education side, learning what's going on inside the body in advance of that higher load so that mm-hmm. we, we can bring in other nutrient support at the right time. And maybe that's now so that we're set right. up for the next block or the next right. phase coming in a few months. Yeah. And, and here's a good, a good idea too, is, is we all know that certain biomarkers will change as training load changes, right? So as volume and intensity go up, biomarkers, your body takes a little bit of a hit. And depending on the biomarker, whether it be iron stores or vitamin D stores or whatever it is, like if we don't have that foundation, like if, if you test in May and you're already in season and doing high competitive levels and in events and races, and, and maybe let's use iron as an example, maybe your iron stores are taking a little bit of a hit and they're a little bit you know deficient, a little bit low. And you come to Dina, right? And you say, okay, I think they're low. We have it tested. And okay, yes, they are low, but we don't know where you started, right? So it's so important to realize where does, where is the body at in a more physiologically balanced state? And that is early season training. Like, like to your point, you know, there aren't as many stressors on the body right now. So now is the time to kind of pop the hood and see what's going on, just not during a rest state, but more of a lower volume, lower intensity state. So please, you know, biomarker testing, pop the hood. Now, now is the time. And, and of course, if you got, if listeners, if you have any questions on which ones, which ones are great uh, for biomarker testing, of course, you can just shoot us an email. We'd, we'd love to answer those questions on the future, future episode, right, Dana? Yeah, that would be a good one actually. Yeah, to add. Ab- yeah. absolutely. So my, my third, goal during this training cycle is, you know, how we always say, and, and you know, moms and dads say it too, but you know, sport dietitians eat your fruits and veggies, eat this. And, and there's actually a reason, right? It's not just because I don't even know why parents would say that other than just getting, you know, good nutrients in the kid's body, but for adults too, like this is the time where I promote more of the colorful foods 
uh, if you're eating grains, more of the really dark, uh, true whole grain foods, because these are the things in herbs and spices, right? These are the yeah. things that we're really using to target inflammation and oxidation inside the body. Now, here's the thing. Training load is a little bit lower right now, so you shouldn't have a lot of inflammation and oxidation just yet from training, but we want to start creating those behaviors now to prepare for the future. So now is the time to really look at your fruit and vegetable intake, your urban spices, herbs and spices, your whole grains. Like what are we, what are you doing now? So it's not a shocker to the body. If you try to increase it or try to implement it here in the next couple of months. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. You just said, uh, something that made me think of habits and routines yeah. when you mentioned behavior change, which yes. you know, a lot of us just want to dismiss and ignore all those pieces, but it really is essential, right, Bob, to bringing all of this together. I mean, I know there are many layers and some complexities, but it's, it's not that complex, really. It's just learning, but in order to do a lot of what we're asking to periodize our nutrition, we can't just dictate it, right? It's the individual athlete learning why the reasons for all of this stuff, and then the doing, uh, which we can require a number of changes behaviorally or habitually. Uh, I know you talk about that in your book quite a lot as well. Right. Well, and it's such an important part. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, people think nutrition is as easy as just picking a food here and there and maybe cooking it up or ordering it. And it really isn't. It, it really is. I mean, that's one step of the process, but but the majority, the major step is really the behavior change and how do I adopt this into my lifestyle, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you see a lot of, um, or what's your take, Bob, in terms of this team support or support system for athletes in terms of having... Uh, you know, performance nutritionist or sport dietitian who's versed in nutrition periodization, mm-hmm. working with the coach or other, you know, uh, coaches on the team, like how, why is that important or yeah. what are your recommendations for athletes when they're starting to delve into this more? Yeah. Well, let me first start out by saying, I think every athlete needs the support team, positive support team around them, right? So you think of spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, significant others, whomever, friends, uh, groups, you know, anyone who's really positive support. The other part of that is obviously the coach, right? Or the coaching staff, depending on the, on the, on the athlete. So first and foremost, the coaches know about periodization. They know how they're taking you through your training year, right? They may not share that every so often. So it's up to you to kind of ask about that, but that's, that's step one. So I'm very comfortable. And most of the coaches I've worked with, they understand periodization. They don't know about the nutrition piece of it, which is why it's so important for an athlete to have that performance sport dietitian on their team also. So I, I believe the coaches are doing a great job in what they're doing. Uh, their great job doing right is, is coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the athlete then, you know, encourages and, and, and kind of accepts that performance sport dietitian on their team. It is so crucial, as you can probably guess, it is so crucial for that sport dietitian to actually be well-versed in nutrition periodization. Otherwise, the conversations merely go to, oh, you know, this is a carbohydrate, this is a protein, this is a fat. I'm not saying that's not important. It is. But what's more important is how do we place nutrients and how do we look at the macro and the micronutrients throughout the year to support not only performance, but also health. So we really need to get athletes kind of looking a little bit 
outside the box, selecting that sport dietitian who has some type of background or experience in nutrition periodization. Uh, I will say this, Dina, you know, obviously we've been in this for a while back in the days, right? Not many dietitians really knew what this was. Um, I'm finding much more because I, I mentor quite a few younger sport dietitians and quite a bit of them, they're not learning it too much in school, but they're learning it once they, they start pounding the pavement they're pretty well-versed in nutrition periodization. It just depends on how many years they've been in the field to be able to kind of perfect that, that principle or that, that craft, that, that type, that, that point or aspect of sport nutrition. So super, super important to have a sport dietitian who not only understands the concept, but who's actually had experience in utilizing this with several different athletes, both male and female. Yeah. I'm just thinking of a couple things here, Bob. One is back to, you know, we don't train the same way every day for yes. 365 days a year, right? To achieve increased fitness or mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for all of us as athletes. If we just remember that, like, even if you're not having a coach to assist you and you're following a static plan or doing your own programming, there's no, I don't see, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, like to become faster or stronger or whatever the thing is, we can't do the same thing every day. Absolutely. So along those lines, eating the same way is not a thing, meaning <laughs> we have to manipulate uh, numerous aspects of our macro, our micro nutrition, the timing, the type of food, the quality and, and just to add on to that is a lot of athletes think when they're learning about this concept, it's just what I eat right around my mm -hmm. training session or my practices. Yep. And it's so much more, as you were indicating, we're looking at health to support our performance. And so it's all the other hours in the day. Absolutely. Well, and, and yeah, because that supports it even from a digestive standpoint, right? And mm -hmm. I, I think I, I heard a statistic once, and I, I don't know if it was supported by research, but I heard the statistic that throughout our lives, we, we, only, we only eat between 30 to 50 different foods throughout our lifespan, right? And this is kind of bringing up to the point where I have a lot of athletes, and I'm sure you do too, Dina, and, and listeners, I'm sure you fall in this category as, as, as I do sometimes too, but the whole lack of variety where you just kind of get stuck in the, I'm going to eat the same thing every mm. single day. And I tell you from my collegiate um, athletes that I work with, that's the burning question. That's the $64,000 question of the day. They always say, do I need a lot of variety? Because obviously, you know, financial resources are a little bit low and, and just cooking, you know, experience is low. So I think there's a lot to be said. And possibly this is another episode we can do this year is talking about, do you need a lot of variety in your daily nutrition plan? If so, why? If not, maybe what are the things you need to look at first before answering that question? Right. Cause I think yeah. that's a huge topic. That's a good one, Bob. Yeah. yeah. But I, but I do believe to your point earlier too, I do believe that in certain training cycles, athletes, they really need to periodize their daily nutrition differently. Right. So, you know, as an example, you know, you brought up that long course triathlete in, in this, in this conversation, you know, perhaps that's an age grouper. And what do we know about these guys and girls is that they're stacking their weekends with longer training, usually like maybe not an early base or early prep, but certainly throughout the year or 
in the continued year, what we know is that Saturdays and Sundays become huge training days and the eating has to support that. But maybe Monday's a rest day, maybe Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday are a little bit lighter aerobic days or a little bit shorter under 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever. So what I'm saying is actually not to make it more confusing, but I call this microcycle periodization where we look at every day of the week and not to create a completely different menu. I'm not, I mean, that's just way too much work, right? But maybe looking at the, 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 the contribution of carbohydrate, protein, and fat differently on certain days relative to what your body needs. So are there days where your body needs more carbohydrate or needs more fat or vice versa? And that's, yeah. that's I think, a, a big opportunity that athletes can really look at. And, and I know we're going to be covering that in future episodes, uh, kind of as a piggyback to this one. Yeah, I think that's good to kind of set the stage here for what this concept is, get the ears and eyes turned on or up or open <laughs> mm -hmm. for, yep. for our listeners, because I know there are a lot of athletes that just aren't familiar with this concept period. Right. And then just trying to bring it in and, and it's never too late to, by the way, to learn this concept and then figure out how to get the assistance and what to do to right. uh, further, you know, pursue the optimization that we're looking for. Exactly. So let me, if you don't mind, Dean, let me summarize, because you asked about kind of those specific nutrition goals for the prep cycle for the base mm -hmm. season. Like, so let me just summarize those so it doesn't get lost with all of our listeners. So the first thing nutritionally, if you are in the prep cycle or preseason right now, first thing you need to do is think about popping your hood. So biomarker testing, physiological testing. Second thing is really learning about that eating to train mantra. So eat yep. to support the training sessions. If, if your volume and intensity is not too high yet, don't really need to go crazy with the nutrition, right? Uh, third is introducing kind of the foods, eating patterns, uh, fruits, veggies, herbs, and spices, true whole grains to really start influencing the inflammatory pathways in the body and the oxidation pathways in the body. And then the fourth, I didn't really mention this, but this is going to be where our sec, our kind of our follow-up to this episode is going is in implement, starting to implement the metabolic efficiency training concept to start teaching your body to be more efficient from a nutrition perspective. So putting on my coaching hat, any athlete, doesn't matter the sport, the age, the gender, doesn't matter. Every athlete wants to be more efficient in their sport. That's improving their economies of movement, their VO2 consumption, everything. From a nutrition standpoint, we we want the same thing. We want that efficiency of, of, of being able to utilize the nutrients that you have stored in your body, aka metabolic efficiency training. So that will be our follow-up episode to this one, but that definitely is, is the fourth goal of the fourth nutrition goal of this specific training cycle is starting to learn and implement metabolic efficiency training. Yep. Stay tuned listeners, because we're going to address that in our upcoming episode or one of the next episodes that we have planned to further build on all of this, like you're saying, Bob, um, so maybe we leave it here and I mean, I would encourage everyone to check out your, the second edition of your nutrition periodization for athletes book. It's, you know, it stands the test of time. I don't know. Do you have plans, Bob, for a, a third edition or any updates? I, I do actually. I, the biggest update I made from first to second edition was, you know, the first one was really looking at nutrition periodization for endurance athletes. 
the second one was, was expanding that to basically all athletes. And that's why we kind of use the terms interchangeably with preseason and base training, right? Cause, cause usually the nutrition goals are fairly similar, uh, de- depending on the age and the gender, of course, there are some segments there, but, but yeah, in the, in the third edition, I'm going to, I'm going to, there's so much that's been going on in, in the nutrition space since I published the second edition, as we both know, I'm going to provide a lot of updates regarding, you know, some of these fads, the, the fallacies that are out there and maybe where some of these may fit, you know, so we're talking about LCHF, low carb, high fat, we're talking about some of this fasting thing. So maybe just trying to paint that picture of if these fit, at what part of the training year may these be better if they fit. Right. That would be helpful for expanding it. Absolutely. Updating. Okay, cool, Bob. Well, gosh, is there anything else you want to add here in our part one of the nutrition periodization? I think we covered it. I think this was, uh, you know, our plan of kind of expounding on this and, and offering a couple of future episodes to just expand a little bit about this. And because I think, again, to your point in, in uh, introducing this concept, it's it's such a necessary piece of the puzzle. And it's what you and I do daily, but it's it's really wonderful that we can actually bring this to our listeners to help them understand the puzzle a little bit and, and the puzzle being their body, right? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think we can kind of leave with that where it's, this is just one piece of it, but we're going to give you a lot more pieces. So you understand how those pieces can fit together. Yes. Beautiful. Well, listeners think of nutrition periodization as opportunities for optimization. I like that, Dina. (laughs) All right. Well, we will sign off for today and thank you, Bob, for sharing all of the, uh, you know, nutrition periodization 101 with us today. It It was my pleasure. Can't wait for the next one. All right. Well, we'll see you all soon. Well, we hope you enjoyed our episode eight on nutrition periodization, a little setting the foundation for what the concept is so that when you're tuned in to future episodes, we're just building and furthering knowledge base and how that plays out in your athletic life. If you've got a sports nutrition question, we just want to remind you, you can pop that in an email, send it on over to us at hello at insidesportsnutrition.com. Make sure you include your name, where you're from, what your question is, and we'll get that on a future Q&A episode. And stay tuned for next week's episode. Bob and I are going to delve into the concept of metabolic efficiency training. There are a lot of misconceptions about what this concept is, what it means, what it's for, but in order to set the stage for other future episodes, we want to build on this and let you know what it's about and who it's for, all the good stuff, science, and real life application. And as a reminder, we'd love your support in promoting this podcast. So if you find this information helpful and the strategies useful to you in your quest for improving your health and performance, make sure to give us a review and subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend. We'd love for you to share an episode on your Instagram social account. You can tag us ISN podcast, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like more information about 
the services that Bob and I offer with regard to individual and team nutrition coaching and physiological and biomarker testing, you can reach out to me at nutritionmechanic.com website and Bob over at energyperformance.com, E-N-R-G performance.com. And we'd love to help you out. And lastly, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only. Thank you.